This show is sponsored by the Bitbox O2 Bitcoin only hardware wallet by Shift Crypto. If you're new to Bitcoin and your funds are, your Bitcoin are still on the exchange where you bought them, I highly recommend you remove them into your own self custody. Hardware wallets are a great, uh, convenient way to do that. And the Bitbox is a very easy to set up, easy to use solution. If you're a bit more experienced, there's a ton of great features to check out. Go to shiftcrypto.ch forward slash rapidfire where you can see all the specs and also get 5% off. Today's guest is actually the co-founder of Shift Crypto. I thought it'd be fun to have him on, ask him all the questions that I have, probably some that you have as well, get the backstory behind the company and the product and uh, just generally have a chat about Bitcoin. So hope you enjoy. Let's do it. And we're live. Douglas, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. So uh, I thought it was probably fitting. Well, first of all, I guess thanks for an order. I appreciate the support of the show from uh, from Shift Crypto. And I thought it was fitting when the opportunity arose to speak with you um, because you're one of the men behind uh, or part of the team behind uh, the Bitbox O2, which I have to say I've been really enjoying using. You know, I talk about it, obviously, in the ad read uh, bef before all the shows, but uh, it's just a real easy to use but feature rich hardware wallet. And it's uh, it's become a main staple of my mix. And so uh, kudos on the product. And uh, for people that maybe aren't familiar with you and the company, why don't you give us the uh, the intro? Uh, yeah, sure. So, yeah, thanks for the, the kind words. Ha happy about that. Happy to, um, uh, yeah, also support people doing great things in the community. Um, and, uh, as far as us, yeah, my name is Douglas. Um, I'm a founder of a company that makes hardware wallets. Um, we, yeah, so just, just a brief overview. Um, we founded a company, uh, the Bitbox business. So the Bitbox is the name of the hardware wallet. Shift Crypto is the name of the company. We founded the Bitbox business, uh, in 2015 with the digital Bitbox. So we've been around a while. Uh, learned quite a few lessons, and for about a year and a half now, we have the Bitbox O2 out on the market. It's a, a hardware wallet that we are quite proud of. Uh, we think it, you know, it's a very strong competitor in the market, um, and we're yeah trying to do our best to let people know about it, um, get some feedback, uh, keep improving. But yeah, everything you say uh, is is nice to hear because that's kind of our goal. We really want to um, you know, make it easy for people to get into Bitcoin. And in our opinion, um, uh, yeah, to get into Bitcoin also means to have self-custody. Uh, otherwise, kind of otherwise, it kind of defeats the purpose. And I think with hardware wallets, uh, the whole goal, at least our, our mission, is to you know, make it as easy as possible to get into Bitcoin. Uh, or basically, you just have to buy a Bitbox and you're all set. Uh, we have a feature you can buy Bitcoin directly in the app. And you know, on the side, you get state-of-the-art security. Um, and so that, that's kind of our approach. Uh, it's how we think we can contribute to, to the community, how we think we can uh, help the community grow. And um, I think hardware wallets in general are a, a necessary tool for that to happen. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. I'll come back to that. But what about your own rabbit hole story? I'm sure you've told it a million times, but how did you yeah. get into all this stuff? <laughs> I'm curious if it changes every time I say it, but uh, let's see. Where how good start? your memory is. <laughs> Fading in time, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, and in the heat. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's see. Uh, the rabbit hole into Bitcoin began, I guess, in 2013 for me. Uh, I remember that quite well. I was uh, visiting Japan at the time. 
and in like one of the main Japanese newspapers, um, uh, Bitcoin was plastered on the front page. And that was really strange to me. Uh, first time I heard of it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it said something about money and so on and so on. It's digital money. Um, like, okay, this is really strange. Why, why is someone talking about monopoly money on the front page of a Japanese newspaper? Uh, and so, yeah, I, I started researching it. Um, my background is uh, in academics, actually. So uh, previously a scientist. Uh, and so I had, a, uh, I guess, uh, an attraction to figuring out why things work uh, and so on. And I, I researched, uh, researched about it. And I, I uh, may, maybe luckily, I rather quickly um, kind of grasped the, the impact of it. Uh, and being in academia, the thing that really struck, stuck out to me um, at the beginning was the, the scientific problem it solved, so the Byzantine generals problem, which is basically uh, the solution to how, how can you transport money over the internet without the need to trust anyone else or need the need to trust the person you're sending money to or receive money? How, how can you be sure you can receive money without trusting the other person uh, that they're gonna send it just to someone else later? Uh, and Bitcoin solved that. And that was a, you know, an unsolved problem in the computer science field. And I thought that was fascinating. And so to me, at that point, I was like, okay, this is something. And um, it wasn't really a question of anymore about if it would succeed, it's just when it would succeed. And early on, of course, if, if it's Bitcoin or not, but you know, the more you dive down into the, the rabbit hole, the more you see like how many smart people contributed to, to Bitcoin, how, how um, uh, the depth of uh, work and the depth of review uh, behind it that makes it so solid. And so two years after that, you start Shift devi Devices, was it at the time? Or? Originally Shift Devices, yeah. yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess like a lot of people, you, you try to, uh, try to uh, buy and sell, you know, what is, what is it? But, uh, buy high solo kind of kind of mistakes that people make <laughs> part of the learning process uh, i tried to create some algorithms to you know try to do some automated trading and quickly learn that that's a yeah that's a full-time job if you actually want to make money um and yeah played around a bit and then um uh uh started getting you know buy buy a little bit here buy a little bit there um i also kind of understood the a lot of the security concepts um like or the security threat models, like uh, how easy it is for a computer to get hacked, how easy it is for a mobile phone to get hacked, uh, exchange risks, and so on. And so I spent a lot of time trying to hold uh, the Bitcoin that I bought securely. Um, and at the time, uh, the concept of hardware wallets existed, but none were on the market. Um, and also at the time, there was uh, you know mining hardware was on the market, but there's also a ton of scams, uh, and so. A lot, a lot of times, uh, you know, people would try to get money, uh, buy some mining hardware, but then that just doesn't get delivered. Uh, and so I, I didn't know if hardware wallets would get delivered either. And so I just, yeah, kind of decided to make my own. Um, and that was the, yeah, I guess in 2014, while I was still doing science, um, in my spare time, I just started building a hardware wallet. And you had the ability to do that because you had studied mechanical engineering, <laughs> is that right? Uh, yeah. So or that, that somehow, you know, kind of bled into it somewhere along the line. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think in general, uh, like the ability to do something, I think is strongly dependent on how interested you are in it. 
Right. And I think if you're really interested in something, you'll figure out how to do it. Um, and so, yeah, of course, I did have some some skills from academia prior to that. Um, you know, mechanical engineering. Uh, in mechanical engineering, I studied robotics and AI, uh, so learned a bit, a little bit about coding uh, and so on. And so I could kind of have like uh, you know the physical aspects uh, around it, and also uh, some of the software aspects around it. And, so what you know, just logical like uh, engineering mindset, I guess, uh, going going at problems and trying to deconstruct them. Right. What did the first iteration look like? <laughs> what did that one look like? Uh, it was really big, <laughs> really, <laughs> really, really, really ugly. Um, but probably like if you can imagine uh, a USB stick about the size of a smartphone. Um, yeah, yeah it's not, not so nice to plug into your computer. Um, but yeah, that's just just how you how you start out prototyping. Um, sure. Yeah, and then and so it down a lot. So you started the company. The 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 what was the company? Uh, what was the objective or the product of the company originally in 2015? Uh, yeah. So, so I guess um, yeah. A way a way I like to explain it is kind of about deciding how we name the company. Um, sure. And yeah, it's interesting. Some people ask me, what's the hardest thing about starting a company or running a business? Um, oftentimes I say it's thinking of names. <laughs> um, you spend way too much time thinking about it and yeah, yeah, it's important and there, there's no right answer. Um, and uh, came up with shift devices. Um, and the idea, uh, I guess Edward Snowden was in the news a lot at the time. Uh, and so these concepts of um, privacy and you know, the government spying on you and things like that was in the news, is in people's minds. And uh, not, not only privacy, but security, like security of your data online. Um, and the, the vision uh, was, was more broad, um, not just hardware wallets, but, uh, you know, just privacy and security online in general. And I thought, you know, uh, this was in people's minds, but if you actually looked uh, to see what people did, um, no, nothing really changed. People's behaviors didn't really change. And in my mind, it wasn't because people didn't care about it. I think it was more so because the tools didn't exist. Right. Uh, and so I wanted to make devices, hardware devices that could help people shift uh, not only their perspective, but shift their actions. And so shift devices was the name. And of course, um, yeah, that's, that's very, very vague and broad. Um, and so the, the immediate uh, kind of use case for such such a device would be cryptocurrencies because there's there's an obvious need for security in it, obvious need for for ease of use uh, to make security easy, um, and you know uh, I'd say a small but obvious uh, niche market that that we could go out and of course uh, a very interesting thing to work on to capture your attention. Yeah, for sure. So. And that's an interesting story about the name. I like it. So, you know, good job on uh, on that difficult task of finding a name. But so so at that time, like, what was step one? You know, you, you decided that cryptocurrency was the market. You decided that you know devices for enhancing sovereignty and privacy were was you know a worthwhile, meaningful goal. What did you set out to do then? Was uh, it just right onto hardware wallets? And so they that that's you started working on it immediately. So um, 
Yeah, I guess uh, it's before before the, figuring out the name for the company. Uh, it was developing the hardware wallet, um, getting deeper right. and deeper into the rabbit hole. And, uh, you know, a lot of, I have to give a lot of credit to the local meetups here, um, the Bitcoin uh, Swiss Association, um, running a lot of uh, meetups in Zurich. Um, and just, yeah, going there, hanging out and talking to other people interested. And um, yeah, just one day I brought, brought my uh, Bitbox that I've been working on, just showed some people, uh, got a lot of really great support, a lot of great feedback, a lot of people interested in, you know, helping out and saying, hey, yeah, go do something about that. And um, yeah, one of the biggest, uh, the biggest supporter who actually co-founded the company with me uh, was Jonas Schnelli. Um, and yeah, we happen to live in, in the same city in Switzerland. He's, if, if you don't know him, he's one of the most well-known Bitcoin people. He's one of the core maintainers. Um, and so, yeah, Switzerland's small, but you know, there's a lot of uh, important people in the field that, that live here or have come through. And so, yeah, just got, got a lot of encouragement and we decided, uh, hey, there's a need, let's, let's go for it. Mm. So bring me up from starting the company to, because, you know, and I, this just is what it is, but like the Shift Crypto and Bitbox, the Bitbox 02 weren't on my radar in 2015 or 16 or 17 or 18, yeah. certainly. So bring, <laughs> yeah. bring me up from starting it to now, because the Bitbox 02 uh, is becoming more broadly used, it seems. I mean, you, I'm sure you have the data on yeah. that, and it's becoming yeah. a more popular wallet. So, you know, bring me up the journey of deciding and then get, getting a market and getting a new, getting product iterations out and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a long story. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll try. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I got my mechanical engineering degrees, and then I went into science after that. Um, and so I basically been in academia my whole life uh and until i didn't i didn't know yeah yeah weren't a business guy I, I wasn't a business guy no yeah <laughs> not at all um jonas, jonas was to, to a degree he had um started uh uh yeah he, he's, he has kind of a fun background too he his first business uh yeah, he wasn't in academia at all he dropped out of high school or maybe graduated high school and then went into business for himself um basically hacking iPhones to put a, put on um, uh, iOS apps um, before iOS apps were even allowed. He was hacking them and putting apps on and cool. you know, made apps for the National Railroad, the, the uh, National Supermarket Chain, uh, and so on. So uh, he had some business acumen, but I'd say also in general, both of us were quite technical. So we quite underestimated the need for marketing. Uh, and just letting people know about us. Mm -hmm. uh, and so in uh, 2016, I think April, maybe, was when we released our first version of the Bitbox, uh, originally called the Digital Bitbox, Bitbox 01 also. Um, and yeah, we just, I made a, a Reddit post and that was it. <laughs> that was the extent of our marketing. And, and what's, what's a digital Bitbox? What is that? Uh, that's the first, oh, I should have. So it's, it was it was a hardware device. Yeah, it was a hardware wallet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the precursor to the Bitbox O2, which exists today. So originally mm -hmm. called Digital Bitbox, then we called it Bitbox O1 um, when we knew we were going to come out with the second version. Right, and um, that was April 16, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I think I think we did all right for ourselves, just you know, a team of two basically for for mm -hmm. a year, and. Um, we ended up selling to people in about 100 countries. 
um, with just word of mouth marketing. Um, people who bought it told their friends. Um, and yeah, it was a, it was a, a nice, nice little hardware wallet, but um, basically, uh, you know, after a few years, it just wasn't competitive on the market, mainly because it didn't have a screen. Uh, you, you need a screen for um, uh, securely verifying what you want to do on the hardware, hardware wallet. Um, and so, but anyways, along those lines, yeah, we got talked into joining um, a local FinTech accelerator program, uh, F10 accelerator program, where they actually started teaching us some, yeah, 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 some business business ideas and, you know, how to scale. And, you know, the main, the main thing was, you know, to, just the importance of marketing. And so I think when you, when you have engineers working on something, you know, you think it's just, yeah product will sell itself but right. it's a it's a lesson to learn um, and so you know the you can have the the, the best product uh, but if you don't have marketing you're going to fail mm -hmm. you could have an average product but the best marketing and you're going to succeed uh, which I, I think yeah it's a bit unfortunate but that's just reality right you yeah. need to you need to let people know about things and so um yeah we we kept that going and then uh the bitbox or two um, was it a year and a half ago? Yeah, a year and a half ago. So that'd be yeah, 2019, I guess, is when it actually came out. Uh, and so we were a bit more so in, uh, we had grown the team a bit, um, started doing um, development on the Bitbox 2, uh, really wanted to do it right. Uh, so spent a lot of time, uh, a lot of thought into getting, uh, you know, taking the lessons we learned with the Bitbox 01. Um, had some vulnerabilities, uh, as all hardware wallets do, but taking those lessons, trying to learn from them, getting feedback from people. Um, also, um, uh, contracting, I think, three different security firms to take a look at our security concepts, uh, you know, go, going through the whole, the whole proper development um, to get the Bitbox 02 out. And in, the, in that time, you know, it's also a bear market, so we didn't think marketing would re really do anything. But right. once, we, once we came out with the Bitbox 02, um, you know, we thought, okay, uh, now's the time we can start start talking about it a bit more and marketing uh really scaled up i'd say um yeah mid last year um and uh yeah and it's been well, i wouldn't say really scaled up but it scaled up a bit and you know uh yeah it's it's nice it's nice that once yeah like you say people didn't know about it and once they know about it they uh we get really good feedback they like it and so that's a really great feeling also and um yeah so our, our job now we think we got a great product we just need to let people know about it yeah so i mean i got a bunch of questions about the the device and the mm -hmm. the the process of developing it itself but i guess the first one more broadly speaking is just what is the sense of uh responsibility and seriousness with which you have to approach something like this because yeah. You know, it's not like you're making headphones or, you know, whatever, really. I mean, you're, you're making the thing that houses the wealth and in some cases, the entirety of an individual's wealth. And I know there's multiple schemes you can set up, but effectively, you know, this is how people custody the thing of greatest value to them, which is their money, right? Yeah. And obviously, Bitcoiners are very hardcore about their Bitcoin and, and how they, you know, how they believe it's going to what it represents to their future, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you like internalize the importance of that task and how does that bleed into the development process of a product like this? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, well, I, I like a challenge. <laughs> um, 
And I think when it, when it comes to uh, uh, that aspect, you know, you, you take a step back and you see, okay, what, what is this actually going to be used for? You know, it's going to be used to, you know, people's life savings in, in, a, in a lot of instances. And so, you know, it's, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's impressive uh, kind of uh, uh, responsibility uh, to, to grasp. And, you know, we just try to do everything we can to, um, yeah, uh, be responsible about it. And so, like I said, with the Bitbox O2, um, you know, we had some really great uh, security people on our team uh, taking a look at it, having ideas. Um, Bitbox O1 also, we, we outsourced to uh, some security reviews, like doing security audits to external companies. Um, and we think, you know, it's it's an ongoing process to get security right, uh, and so having as many eyes as we can look as we can uh, take a look at it is important, crucial. So internally with our own team, um, but externally with the security companies we hired, um, we also think it's extremely important to have a, a bug bounty program um, to in, invite uh, white hat hackers to to take a look and incentivize them, reward them uh, if they find something. Um, and the whole open source nature of uh, yeah, Bitcoin uh, is something I think is crucial for security. Uh, and so we try to do as much as we can to be as transparent as possible about um, the Bitbox O2, about the device itself. So all the code is open source. Um, we do deterministic builds so uh, people can verify uh, that what we say is in, in the code is actually in the code. Um, it's open so people can, I mean, not everyone's capable, but anyone could take the code themselves um, uh, and take a look uh, or get, yeah, uh, hopefully more and more experts take a look and can uh, kind of give their, give their uh, thoughts on it also. Um, and, and yeah, and so we just, we just try to do our best as we can. What do you think is the either most challenging task or the largest vulnerability in the production or development of hardware wallets generally today? Like what's the hardest part? So um, actually maybe those are two questions. So what's the hardest part and what's the greatest vulnerability? Hard, you mean hardest part in terms of just bringing a product, making a product? Uh, yeah, technically speaking. Technically like to, speaking. What's the hardest part to get right? <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, I guess there's different types of hard. I'm laughing because <laughs> um, I remember an answer I gave to a similar question before. Uh, uh, one of the biggest challenges to to actually making the product was was actually um, the cardboard <laughs> packaging. The box. <laughs> yeah, it it took the longest and was by far the most uh, back and forth uh, part that was required. <laughs> that's that's bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Very bizarre. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, let's not count that. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's going to be different for different people. I, I think the like the hardware aspect itself and the firmware, which is the code on the device itself, uh, you, know, you have to get it right. Uh, but it's not, it's not the hardest part. Um, and also because you need to get it right. The hardware also, you, you get it right once and then it, it's kind of set. Um, and the firmware also, um, of course you have updates, but you, you kind of have to get, get the security model right. And then it, it, if you get that right, it's kind of set. 
you know, unless unless uh, we find bugs later or someone finds a bug. Um, and so say the, the most amount of our effort development-wise, technology-wise, is uh, really on the software side. Um, so with the any hardware wallet's going to plug into a computer, connect to a computer somehow, and you need to interface with it. So there's a, a software app. We have a software app, um, a cross-platform app for you know, iOS, uh, or not, sorry, not, uh, not iOS, um, everything OS. but iOS. Yeah. yeah. So Mac, uh, Windows, Linux, Android phones also, um, the same software, same functionality, you can plug it in. Um, and just just getting that right, getting the, the user experience part right to, to try to make it as simple as possible, um, as intuitive as possible. Uh, I'd say that's the biggest challenge. And what about biggest vulnerability to hardware walls yeah. generally? Biggest vulnerability, I think... Um, so I'd say there's there's the biggest vulnerability and there's the biggest risk. I'd say um, as far as vulnerabilities, there's been a ton reported on hardware wallets, ours and others. Um, there's some list online you can you can check them out. But despite all of that, um, I'm not aware of like uh, a vulnerability in the wild that's been um, exploited from an original piece of hardware. Uh, and so I think. Um, the hardware wallets out there are quite quite good at their function, especially compared to software wallets, uh, which right. is ba basically just don't put don't put a lot of money on that. Yeah, um, that's all I can say. Um, as the biggest risk that we see, the biggest loss of fun, is actually um, uh, user error. So yeah, this sure. might be more more so like a UX kind of thing. Uh, in particular, just people losing their passwords uh, and. You know, it's it's a new concept for people who aren't familiar with cryptocurrencies, uh, where they're kind of used to someone bailing them out. Like if you lose your password to your right. your G Gmail account or whatever, uh, there's there's a way to kind of recover that. Or, sure. If somebody spends your visa, you call up your bank and say, "Hey, somebody stole my my stuff." Exactly. But gone is gone in in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, and so yeah, people are a bit surprised. They they don't take um, uh, they don't. I guess pay enough attention to you know passwords uh, and things like that, and once it's gone, that's yeah, it's a it's a hard uh, conversation to have to to let people know that it's probably not coming back. Yeah, yeah. it's a tough lesson to learn about responsibility and taking care yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, what do you what do you make of the different approaches to you you know you mentioned the the shift interface, which is great by the way. I mean, it's it is super easy to use the. The UX is great and lots of great features, but what do you make of, you know, some go the plugin route, some go the scan the mm -hmm. QR code route, some go the micro SD route, like mm -hmm. what trade-offs are being made here and what do you think of them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so our device, it has a USB-C uh, port. So you just plug it into a computer, plug it into modern phones. Uh, we, a note that we provide adapters, so, so you get everything in the box that comes with it. Some others, um, uh, especially some newer wallets, are uh, talking about um, uh, what they call air gap mode. So mm -hmm. not having to plug it directly into computer, but using like QR codes to to scan things or micro SD card to transfer. Um, yeah, my my opinion is probably a little bit controversial, uh, where I think. Um, this concept of air gap, uh, they, it's advertised as a security feature, but to me, I think that's kind of a myth uh, in the sense that um, you can't air gap a hardware wallet because you have to talk to the blockchain somehow in order to know um, 
in order to make a transaction. And so uh, to me, the, the big difference between uh, using QR codes, uh, like transferring uh, photons through air, right? Or using a USB port where you're transferring electrons through a wire is really just the bandwidth. Um, you still need to communicate uh, back and forth uh, between these devices. And if you look at the vulnerabilities that uh, have been reported, uh, they're basically logic errors um, in, in implementations. Um, uh, there's really, I, I shouldn't say none, but it's, it's really kind of, uh, I'd say not a material issue like the actual transport layer, uh, if you look at history um, and just yeah, uh, kind of our research on it. Uh, and so if you have a QR code, you still need to transfer the same information between the computer and the device. Uh, and so if it's a logic error, um, the same error that would happen uh, if you have a USB connection would also happen with a QR code connection. And you can see this in uh, reported vulnerabilities for, for various devices that do do air gap. And so to me, it's more like air gap if you have a USB or connection or whatever, it's more so, uh, again, a question of UX. Um, of course, there's a question of perception also. So um, you know, what, what people feel comfortable with. Uh, but to me, uh, functionally, it's more so a, just a, a UX thing. So what, what's the, the easiest way to go? Uh, and so in my opinion, I think it's a lot simpler to have a, a USB connection where you plug it in uh, and then um, it's a lot faster. Uh, so you can get things done faster. You can get things done easier. Um, and um, yeah, kind of kind of like along those lines. Yeah. Um... And so you guys offer the BitBox O2 Bitcoin only, and then you have a multi-coin wallet as well, right? Now I'm sure I'm, you know. Are, are we allowed to talk about that one on your podcast? <laughs> well, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I mean, I'm, I, we, I'm sure we could all kind of assume the motivations, but why don't you, why don't we hear it from the horse's mouth? <laughs> so, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> I was hoping you'd just say we're not allowed to talk about it. No, i <laughs> Yes, yeah, so we have we have two versions. Uh, uh, version internally we call a multi version, then of course the Bitcoin only version. Um, the multi version was the original version, um, and uh, when we launched the Bitbox O2, we did quite large uh, beta program to try to get user feedback, where we basically gave away 300 Bitboxes uh, just to get some user feedback from uh, people all over the world of different uh, different backgrounds, um, and. Uh, we had had a survey and one of the questions was, um, yeah, would, would you be willing to, uh, would you prefer a Bitcoin only version? Or would you prefer having both versions or only uh, a multi-coin version? Sure. Yeah, and, and the feedback from that was actually, yeah, I think over 50% said they, they would like to buy a Bitcoin only version. Oh, wow, um, I'm surprised and, by that. Yeah. Um, and, um, that actually matches our sales data to date. Also, we sell about half and half uh, Bitcoin only versus the multi editions. Um, and yeah, I have to. Uh, That's encouraging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I think um, uh, I have to mention Jonas again, uh, my co my co founder. Um, uh, he's not in, a, in yeah an advisory role. It's not an active company, but um, uh, since the beginning, he's always been saying. Bitcoin only, Bitcoin only. <laughs> he's, he's an unabashed maxi for sure. Um, and so, yeah, we finally, <laughs> well, 
I was going to say we finally listened to him, but we didn't listen to him. We listened to to the market. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, and did it, and yeah, he was right. And, um, there's definitely a market there for it, and uh, uh, yeah, and yeah, it's it's the same price for each. Uh, and so some people also, if they're not as familiar with with cryptocurrencies, they ask us, okay, why has less features? Why is it the same price? Um, but it's it's basically the same underlying hardware, uh, but we um, hard code into the into the bootloader, into the firmware, um, that a Bitcoin only can only load Bitcoin, uh, yeah. Bitcoin only uh, code, uh, and vice versa. And um, uh, yeah, and the 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 Bitcoin only the motivation there, of course, is yeah. Uh, well, the security motivation there is just try to remove uh, various attack vectors. I mentioned earlier that a lot of vulner vulnerabilities are just uh, logic based. Uh, and so if you have a bunch of different altcoins uh, in your wallet, you just have a lot, bunch of new logic. You have different cryptographic primitives. You have different uh, logic to how to interact with them. And so there's just, um, uh, by nature, theoretically, there's just more attack surface that's possible uh, for, for a vulnerability. And so if you just strip all that out, um, you should have a, a more secure device. Right. Yeah, and I appreciate that you guys actually ship uh, the Bitcoin only uh, like you can't change the firmware, right? When, you know, yeah. it ships as that because obviously that's not the case for for all wallets. Where do you see this industry going? You know, so there's, I kind of relate it to what happened with nodes, you know, like, and and people ran obviously Bitcoin Core on a computer or whatever, and then it became some somewhat of a commercial thing. And now, you know, maybe the economics of that didn't work out so well and people I think most people now build their own nodes because it's very simple. You get a Raspberry Pi, a hard drive, and some other stuff, and you're good. Do you see a commodification happening in the hardware industry? Do you, do you see something similar like that happening, or is there too much design and UX work for, for that to happen for the average person? And, and the, the only example I'll use is like with something like the Spectre wallet, which, albeit you know not that many people probably use, it's for the kind of the hardcores, but I... I wonder if this, you know, this uh, idea of taking responsibility and sovereignty and reducing your, you know, your your own personal attack surface, will that continue to, uh, you know, motivate people to take greater and greater control, even non-technical people, of mm -hmm. you know the hardware components of of their uh, their makeup, their mix? Like, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm wondering what you think. Mm -hmm. Like, how does this industry look in two, five, you know, plus years? Yeah. Um, yeah. Very interesting question. Um, yeah, I'd say, uh, I guess may, maybe definition-wise, co commodity to me means like uh, um, something becomes so common that you know it becomes like the business itself becomes just a, a margin business where make some make something as cheap as possible and sell it as much as possible. But I guess you're you're kind of going at a different angle, uh, whereas. Uh, People aren't buying um, cheap hardware wallets, but they're making their own. Right. Is sure. Right? Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. Yeah. Or, I so, mean, that's my assumption. If you have a different one, feel free to talk on it. I'm just, I'm wondering how you see it. Yeah. I think, um, uh, I don't, I don't see it going that way. I think, uh, you know, if, if everyone was like, uh, had the mindset of you and me, probably it would go that way. Um, so I built my own. I'm, I'm, don't think I'm ever going to use one that I didn't build myself. <laughs> um, but why not? You know, <laughs> oh, you 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 include 
the Bitbox is one you built yourself, right? I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the Bitbox yeah, I yeah. built myself, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm only going to use that one. Um, uh, but uh, and I think, you know, a lot of the, the hardcore Bitcoin maximalists, you know, they're only going to trust their own system if it's like, um, you know, just a paper wallet or an offline computer. Uh, and I, I think that's fair. Uh, and I, I think that makes sense um, because it's, you know, in the end, it's impossible. The, uh, some disclaimers. So I think hardware wallets are the best way to go. And I think professional hardware wallets are the best for the majority of people. Um, but it's hard to reduce the need to trust completely unless you do it yourself. You, there's always going to be some trust involved. Uh, you have to trust the hardware wallet. So no, no matter how much transparency we do, there's always going to be some trust involved that we, we uh, you know, produced it the right way. We didn't hide some chip, some extra chip that's going to transmit signals uh, to steal your private key, for example. Um, by the way, that's why we provide like X-rays of our, our devices and things like that. But anyway, um, right. and uh, where was I going? <laughs> um, yeah, there's always some. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. I, I was going to try to remind you where you were, but I think you found yeah. it. And by the way, that's. There's some sawing like in the jungle in the background, <laughs> so hopefully it's yeah. not too disruptive. Uh, not for it's me. Probably, it's uh, probably why you lost your uh, train of thought. <laughs> Thanks for the excuse. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the, there, there's some trust involved in that sense. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just hard to get rid of that. Uh, so that's yeah. why we try to be transparent as possible and so on and so on. Um, but the thing is, it's like, I think, you know, if, if people are capable and on one technically capable for, for one point, but also they have the time available to kind of figure out how to do it on a, on a second point. Um, uh, I, I encourage people to, to, yeah, make their own for sure. Um, but I think if we're talking about, um, you know, the vast majority, uh, you know, if we're talking about um, like uh, broader adoption, I think there's gonna be a whole, whole class of people that, um, yeah, either don't don't have the technical uh, confidence in doing it. Uh, I have confidence they could learn it, but maybe they don't have the self-confidence in that, or the time uh, to put in to learn it. Uh, I think, um, yeah, the commercial hardware wallets are are definitely uh, a, a good option for them, uh, a, the a, the best option for them. Um, yeah. Uh, so do you do you see this? I mean. Are we going in, in terms of scale of this industry, hardware wallet in every home? I mean, if, if, if Bitcoin is the money of the future, people need a way to preserve and protect and secure their wealth. Is that how you see the future? Uh, yeah, actually, um, it reminds me all the way back to the shift devices uh, story also, where I was talking about um, creating devices to help shift people's uh, perspectives. Uh, that was actually one of our one of the points I would uh, use as a sales pitch uh, was uh, I think as you know more and more value gets put online, there's more and more incentive for uh, you know bad actors to try to access it. Uh, and this value is money, of course, in the form of cryptocurrencies, um, but it's also can be the form of um, you know you yourself. Uh, a lot of governments want to give their citizens digital identities. Um, um, and so, and there's more and more private stuff, you know, that people want to keep private that's online. Uh, and so I think uh, given, given the nature of just 
how many vulnerabilities exist in operating systems, which have tens of millions of lines of code. It's just, they're designed to be exploited. Like they have open ports for the website and um, allow you to install any app you want on them. So there's so many uh, avenues for vulnerabilities that I think uh, it's inevitable that people are gonna have to need a key in their pocket uh, for their digital life. Uh, and so um, when I first started, everyone was always saying, oh, people, uh, people, everyone, everyone wants to put things on their mobile phone. They don't want to put more things in their pocket. But you know, the people still do have keys for their home. They still have keys for the, their car, uh, mostly. You know, there's certain things that you just—it's probably better not to put on your mobile phone because uh, someone can hack it and get into your home or steal your car. And I think you know, uh, in the digital world, I think there's going to be an analogy to that, and uh, I think it makes a lot of sense that there's going to be everyone's going to have a key in their pocket for for their digital life. Uh, and specific to Bitcoin, um, uh, I think, uh, yeah, this is, this, is, this is what needs to happen. Uh, I'm a bit encouraged uh, in the last months that a lot of um, uh, other companies are coming out and stating how important uh, uh, decentralization is, how important self-custody is, uh, Square Crypto, for example, um, you know, what's going on in El Salvador, uh, and so on and so on. And so um, in my, my mind, in my mind, I think there's, um, yeah, this is a necessary necessary thing that would be around. Yeah, it'll be interesting, interesting to see how in the future, if, first of all, those devices are separate, and if they are separate, mm. what, like, critical or information of the utmost value requiring the greatest security will be put on a separate device, right? Whether, as you say, it's your identity or your, your wealth or whatever else, you know, uh, falls into that category that people become a lot more conscious of protecting and securing, you know, because the, the, the world we live in today, I mean, there's very little privacy and security consciousness, right? And I, and I think this is another example of Bitcoin probably instigating that process of thinking about those things and then maybe having it bleed into other things as, as people start to become aware of the importance of security and privacy, the vulnerabilities that exist in their current way they operate uh, and how they want, and, and the benefits of establishing greater privacy, security, and, and sovereignty in different aspects of their life. You know, yeah, I think yeah. that'll become a lot more, people will be become a lot more aware of that in the future. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I think, um, yeah, it reminds me, uh, yeah, early on also, when, when I talk about this a lot, people say, well, people don't care about privacy, look at Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, how, how many people um, post their, yeah, monthly bank account statements on Facebook. Um, not many. Not many, right? Uh, so <laughs> there, there are certain things that people do want to keep private, right? So there's certain things that people will value privacy for. And I'm also quite encouraged by a couple of the big companies too. Like Apple has made it one of its core statements uh, mm -hmm. to protect people's privacy, to make a lot of commercials about it and advertisements about it. Um, Firefox, I think uh, the browser is making a bit of a renaissance uh, because they're focusing on user privacy. Um, and so I think uh, uh, even more broadly, there's, uh, you know, I, I think the tools are coming. The tools yeah. are coming for people. Yeah, I agree. Um, how do you determine uh, which features to include? How do you prioritize the integration of certain features in the wallet? Because, you know, like I keep saying, <laughs> there, there are some cool and unique features in there, and I appreciate them. But, you know, how do you decide to integrate them? Oh, what's the process? Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
We, we actually have a very thorough process uh, that we've been doing for the last few years. Um, uh, I forget what the name of it is actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but basically, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm gonna do a really bad job explaining it. We have a product guy that, that's going through this really well. And it's basically uh, kind of listing out all of the, yeah, first brainstorming all, all the different features you can think of and then trying to uh, uh, categorize them. Um, and this, this serves a couple different functions. One is figuring out priorities that make sense, you know, that people want, that people need, or that people expect, and get, getting those in. Uh, but then it's also a, kind of a, an internal culture reason also where, yeah, everyone's always saying, oh, it should be this feature. No, 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 it should be this feature. No, 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 it should be this feature. Uh, but then when everyone can kind of say it uh, out loud, then they, then for a few months at least, maybe six months, they they don't talk about it <laughs> anymore um, until we need to figure out what our priorities are again. Um, but yeah, we have we have a scoring system where uh, yeah we just list all the features and then we talk to the engineers to ask how long it takes to develop. We talk to um, product people to try to get some user feedback uh, from the community uh, through surveys or whatever uh, to figure out what people uh, would like. You know, what are the delighters? Uh, what are the things I just expect, the baseline stuff? And then, um, yeah, again, I forget the name of it, but we, we kind of put in a chart and it, it actually comes out um, uh, pretty good for kind of the things we need to need to add and need to work on. Yeah, because I, I, I asked the question, not just because I'm, I'm curious about how these features come to pass, but when, yeah. you know, when, when you're thinking about a market, you, there's a lot of hardware wallets on the market, right? And I guess success depends on you know, the, the proper balance and mix, uh, mix of the features you yeah. integrate, the UX, the price, the, fun, the the usability, all these kind of things, you know, so it all has to flow together pretty good to have a successful product in the market. And so I was just kind of wondering how you make those decisions, but I think yeah, you well, probably answered most of that. Yeah, but I'd say that maybe, I don't know if what I said sounds impressive or not, but I mean, in the <laughs> end, just, just to, you know, to be honest, it's always, it's always also a bit kind of hand waving like what what we actually get in there and at times like our, our lead engineer will just be oh i have some time over the weekend i like this feature i'm going to do it <laughs> and then right. it just really quickly over over a few days he gets uh, some some cool new feature like uh, the anti-klepto feature for example that we we stuck in recently which is a, a really great security thing but probably you know yeah, probably doesn't sell hardware wallets uh so Can you much. explain it um, let's see, can I explain it? Yeah, so uh, anti-klepto, I think it's also called anti-covert nonce channel attack. Um, and so, yeah, Marco Van Kuhn, um, who's an engineer in our team, he came up with uh, the implement, or the, he actually made the original pull request to the Bitcoin Core to, to get it into Bitcoin Core. And it's uh, basically an attack vector where, uh, this is getting very technical, but if you do um, a signature, so if you send a Bitcoin transaction, you have to sign it basically with your private key. So that's, that's the whole, that, that's how uh, transactions work. Yeah. Um, part of the signature uses a random number, which is called a nonce. Um, and there's ways to structure, uh, if, if I get this right, there's ways to structure that random number such that you can leak out a bit or two of uh, the private key on each signature. Um, 
uh, there's a famous PlayStation hack a long time ago where they they reused this random number, and that's just a no-go for this type of um, uh, elliptical curve cryptography, where um, if you reuse uh, nonces with different signatures, you can basically leak the whole private key. Um, but you, you can basically kind of do that covertly, um, like a few bits at a time, where then whereas if you send uh, a number of transactions, I don't know how many, you can basically reconstruct the private key. Uh, of course, if you reconstruct the private key, you have access to the, the coins. Uh, mm -hmm. So you, you can um, basically uh, leak these out through the hardware wallet, send it out through an app or whatever. And so there's a, a really, uh, really cool trick where um, you can add some, uh, and I don't know the, the cryptographic details at all, but basically you can add in an extra random number that comes from outside of the hardware wallet that goes in. Um, and it gets used during the signature creation. Um, and you can provably um, show that this random number was used. Uh, and so in that way, um, a, a malicious hardware wallet cannot leak um, uh, the secrets through this, through this mechanism. Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's probably pretty good. Gonna, I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not going to sell many more bit boxes necessarily. Right. It's kind of hard to market that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's kind of a it's a cool thing to add. Um, yeah, we've done. Uh, you know, uh, I, I I think we've done a lot of firsts uh, also uh, that we kind of added, um, and I think we have some some unique security uh, uh, features that we've we've done. Um, uh, yeah, all, all in the lines of kind of uh, trying to reduce as like if we see an attack vector, we just try to reduce it. We just have a natural urge to uh, to um, yeah try to try to make yeah. I guess this comes back to your question of uh, of um, earlier on of like the sense of responsibility when you're making a product that keeps people's wealth, right? So I think throughout our team, there's just this urge to like if we see if we see something, we want to fix it, or if we can improve something, we want to. Yeah. And what's, what kind of features are in the pipeline? Can you share any of that kind of stuff? Like, and, and maybe even if it's not in the pipeline, where do you want to go with this product from a feature point of view and even from a hardware point of view in the next you know, couple of years? Yeah. So, um, uh, I mean, the, the boring answer is, is again, we just want to listen to our users. Uh, right. So we, we really want, really appreciate feedback. Uh, so if any of you out, are out there listening, you have some ideas, please let us know. Um, yeah, either on, on Twitter or Telegram, we have a pretty active Telegram group. Um, but yeah, as, as far as features go, um, yeah, we just added, uh, yeah, um, we spend a lot of time trying to get multi-signature right. Uh, we're actually, there's actually going to be um, a BIP uh, coming out of that uh, in order for other hardware wallets to get it right also. Um, that we're working on together with other hardware wallet manufacturers. Um, so that, that's pretty cool. Um, so we have recently multi-sig in our app. We have um, multi-counts, uh, things like that. As far as um, next things, uh, yeah, we're a little bit open. Um, but what we're doing right now is we're another round of user testing. Uh, and so uh, kind of trying to take a revision just on the UX itself. Um, so um, try, trying to, you know, make it look nicer, make it look more intuitive. I, th I think it's already pretty good, um, but a big focus for us is um, yeah, ease of use and, and simplicity. Um, and one thing we like, as I mentioned before, one of our goals is we want it to be um, uh, 
yeah, we, we, want, we want people to get involved in this space because we think this space is so special and it empowers people. Uh, and so we wanna, our goal is, you know, really you can give a bit box to someone, um, just a complete newbie uh, and they're able to, to get it going. Uh, and so that's a lot of focus on UX, uh, but it's also, you know, uh, adding the, the buy Bitcoin option, buy cryptocurrency option inside of the wallet itself. Uh, so really you can just buy a bit box in your set. Uh, it's something you can, you know, uh, give to family members or, or whatever. Uh, and so we're going uh, another round through that. Um, of course, uh, a bit longer term, um, you know, talking about different uh, yeah, kind of hardware wallet versions, um, you know, maybe a revision to the hardware itself. Um, yeah, I kind of, I talked about, uh, um, uh, let me step back. Yeah, so just, uh, um, yeah, maybe making a, a bit higher end, higher end build, like kind of a glass ceramic kind of thing, uh, things like that. Um, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to say too much. More. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so that's very, very long answer to try to not say too much more. <laughs> no problem, no problem. Uh, one, one of the last things I got for you, Douglas, is what, what markets are you finding the most uptake for the Bitbox O2 Bitcoin only specifically, like? Is there, are you seeing trends in certain ge ge geographies that for whatever reason, maybe it's your marketing efforts, maybe it's the relative um, uh, maturity of the market in Bitcoin, for example, like yeah, where are you seeing the most uptake? Uh, yeah, I, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but um, I think it was, it's, it's pretty equal uh, around the world so far. Um, uh, in terms of Bitcoin only versus the multi uh, edition for the for the Bitbox, um, yeah, and of course us us being in Switzerland, uh, kind of the the German speaking area, uh, we see a, a good impact, um, you know, locally around us, which I, I think makes sense as a kind of initial spread, and so um, yeah, now we're trying to, you know, kind of kind of get some. Get some traction in in other countries, um, um, also in the U.S. Uh, get a bit more traction there, uh, and also um, yeah, try try to figure out um, yeah we we I mean we have like some preliminary kind of market feedback about yeah different types of users in different areas, but I I'd be hesitant to to kind of really really say anything because it's probably too preliminary. I'm not sure how how much of a uh, how accurate it would be. Sure. But yeah, so sure. I, I think like it, it seems like Germany, especially, seems to be quite quite far down the rabbit hole. Uh, uh, so I think we resonate there a lot. Um, yeah, chi China seems to be more about like gains rather than like <laughs> philosophy. Um, yeah. The, at least our perception. Um, the U.S. is maybe a bit kind of in between. Um, yeah. Yeah, by that, by that, do you mean like China tends to trade more rather than just hodl? Is that what you mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have a feel for that? I mean, I lived in China for a decade, so I know I'm generalizing here. But uh, as a population, uh, they tend to like to gamble. So hmm. the fact that they would be interested in trading more so than hodling certainly is not a surprise to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah. and for other other markets, I'm not I'm not sure I'm not that dialed in on that respect. But um, 
this has been great, man. I'm, I'm wondering if you have any, uh, any thoughts, information, things about what we've been discussing that you think is important to, to cover that we haven't touched on or I haven't asked you about yet. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, not, nothing off the top of my head, I guess. Um, just if, yeah, if your audience uh, is interested in learning more, um, yeah, check out our website. We have a lot of information, uh, some, some learning material also, but a lot of information on the Bitbox, uh, a lot more depth uh, about the, uh, the security. I kind of just touched on it at a very, very high level. Um, so go, go, we go quite into depth in um, like the security uh, features that we have and the threat model, uh, which I, I think is uh, the threat model is probably an inter interesting thing for people just to kind of uh, wrap their head around anyways. Um, it's kind of a nice read. Uh, and yeah, our, our website is shiftcrypto.ch. Uh, if you do a backslash rapid fire, I believe you can get a, a discount if you want to buy a Bitbox. 5% <laughs> off, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and as I said before, really happy if, uh, to, hear, to hear from uh, our audience and uh, uh, potential future audience or potential uh, skeptics of us. Uh, all of you, are, you're very welcome to contact us. You can find us at, on Twitter at ShiftCryptoHQ. Uh, and also we have... Uh, uh, quite lively telegram group uh, bitbox wallet have you had I, I didn't ask you this when you mentioned it mentioned it but have you had uh with the bug bounty program i mean is that is there a lot of active participation in that do you get a lot of things submitted and and have you ever paid out a bounty yeah sure yeah yeah so um uh especially with the the bitbox 01 um we had some really really great uh feedback uh to help improve that um and yeah, for, for sure, uh, we, we- Is there a set amount for the bounty? Is it just so people know, you know, if they're that, if they're that way inclined? Um, yeah, we don't publish the amounts. Uh, they can kind of change. We do have a blog post about how we classify uh, security vulnerabilities. And then right. based off of that classification, uh, which is also kind of more so a, a, a guide, um, we will pay out different amounts for like minor things versus severe things. Uh, right. So, yeah, we, we try to make it um, worthwhile. Uh, so we try to pay enough to make it worthwhile. Um, and if, if there's any um, bug bounty hunters out there, you can for sure just uh, send us a message. Uh, and we can give you some more information. Um, and yeah, and we'd, we'd, uh, we're, we're getting less uh, stuff on the Bitbox or two. I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> it's prob probably a good sign. So um, we'd be very, very interested in, in people to try to hack it. Uh, and so, um, oh, I remember uh, one thing I was going to say before. Yeah, I mentioned, yeah, uh, you talked about people building their own hardware wallets. Um, so yeah, there's this one aspect, as I talked about, was um, the, you know, it's hard to eliminate all trust completely. Um, but another aspect I think is really important for people to know is uh, this concept of anything can get hacked. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we've learned this, other hardware wallet uh, vendors learn this. Um, uh, just don't trust someone who says that their hardware wallet's unhackable. Um, they just haven't, haven't had battle scars um, or enough, enough uh, I guess, knowledge in the security field. Um, but the thing is, yeah, yeah, so there, there must be vulnerabilities in the Bitbox 02. Um, 
but the point of hardware wallets is uh, uh, just to make the vulnerabilities as uh, difficult as possible. Difficult means um, either too expensive for someone for to make it worthwhile. Like you need hundreds of thousands in uh, lab equipment and like super expertise and, and so on and so on, or make it too time consuming. It takes too long, uh, just mm -hmm. a, a waste of resources. And so I, I think uh, the major hardware wallets on the market now are doing a pretty good job of that, uh, but we're always interested in, in improving. Yeah. And that, from a personal point of view, with that attitude, knowing that everything can be hacked, is there any particular, I know the hardware wallets are built to kind of segregate the threats and reduce, uh, permit the greatest flexibility in responding to a threat, perhaps if you recognize it, but is there anything else that an individual can do to reduce their threat to the inevitable hackability of everything? Um, yeah, just keep updated. Keep keep your um, hardware wallet updated, um, both the software and, and the hardware part, the firmware part. Um, and choose, choose hardware wallets that are actively being worked on. The, mm -hmm. go, yeah. Uh, go check out, yeah, if you can, go check out their, their GitHub pages and just make sure that they're actually doing stuff. Right. Um, and uh, other than that, yeah, um, I would say, yeah, don't, don't buy, uh, buy firsthand, don't buy secondhand. Sure. Because um, they're, you know, I'd say the biggest, probably the, one of the biggest vulnerabilities I didn't mention before was, uh, you know, probably just fake devices. Um, someone replacing uh, your device with a fake one. Yeah. 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 Well, Douglas, uh, I appreciate you coming on and, and granting me the time for this discussion. Uh, I appreciate the support, but most of all, I appreciate uh, that you're helping people establish sovereignty over their wealth. And because uh, I think there's possibly no greater mission in the world today for freedom and sovereignty and independence. So uh, I appreciate the work that you and the team are doing. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk again sometime in the future. Any any last words before we sign off? Um, no, I, I think I, I think I snuck in my last words prior to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, all, yeah the, all, all the plugs. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm not a marketing guy, so I, I tried. Um, and yeah, no, th thanks a lot to you. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate also uh, uh, the work you're doing, um, the mission you have yourself. Uh, and so, yeah, it was a pleasure, pleasure to be on. Pleasure Absolutely. To to All right, man. We'll, uh, we'll talk again in the future. Be well. Cheers. You too. Bye-bye.